Now this morning what I want to do is change the lesson slightly because I want to uh, look, since all the world celebrates Easter today, at when Jesus was crucified and when he rose again. Now, there are three things we need to remember before we get started, and that is, and I have a chart that I'm going to make copies of, I won't today, but I'll give you a chart so you can follow what I'm saying. John is the only gospel that uses Roman time. Roman time was from 12 till 12. There was a first, second, third, and fourth watch. Um, and so whenever John writes about days, he's talking about normal days for Romans, from 12 o'clock at night to 12 p.m. and so on. Now, the Jewish days are from sunset to sunset. In other words, uh, yesterday being Sabbath, and I forgot when Passover begins, either already has started or it's begun, I forget. It starts approximately 6 o'clock in the evening. That's the beginning of the Jewish day. And then it goes all through the daylight hours till 6 o'clock the next night. So on a normal weekend when you would have Shabbat or Sabbath, it starts at 6 o'clock on Friday night. That's the beginning of the day, and it ends at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. Now that's hard for us to visualize, but that's as it was in Jesus' time and still is today among Orthodox Jews. It's because we think of day begins with a light and ends with a dark. But the Jewish calendar says it begins at 6 o'clock in the evening, so there's a dark period and a light period. And then in the shortest part of the year, even getting toward a dark period as you come to the end of the Sabbath. So we need to remember those two things, and we simply want to answer a couple of questions this morning. Because Jesus said himself in Matthew 12, 39 and 40, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now the Bible says that Jesus was in the heart of the earth or in the ground three days and three nights. Where was he while his body was there? Well, I've heard preachers preach, well, come and hear how Jesus died and went to hell. That's partially correct because he preached to the spirits in paradise. At that time, there was only one compart one place and two compartments. Paradise. That's why Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day shall thou be with me in paradise. And on the other side, the Bible says in Luke, I believe it's 14 or 16, a great gulf and then the wicked on the other side. And after Jesus had preached freedom to the captives, and when he arose, when he ascended into heaven, paradise was taken to be where he is, and those left in the other chamber became Hades, or the dwelling house of dwelling place of the dead, until uh, that time when the end judgment comes. Now, the Bible says three days and three nights. Is it or isn't it? The Bible always stands on truth. There's no doubt about it. It's three days, it's three nights. Now, I've heard preachers stand up and talk about parts of days and parts of nights, or it didn't make any difference. There is no possible way to come to that conclusion that Jesus was crucified uh, and died Friday afternoon and rose Sunday morning. Tradition says that. The Bible will show us clearly that that wasn't what time it was. 
Some people are confused because of some of the Passovers that are here and the high holy days that we're going to look at. So the Bible says Jesus himself, he said, they asked him for a sign. They said, give us a sign. And he said, no sign should be given except the sign of the man would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so consequently, that's exactly what he spent. Well, who set Friday and who set Saturday and Sunday as the way they are? The Roman Catholic Church. Nearly every holiday we have is partially Roman Catholicism and pagan. And so consequently, if I told you how some of those things were determined, Constantine's mother, Helen, was an old woman, and as she climbed the side of, of uh, the Mount of Olives, and she was winded, history says, she was given a revelation, here is where they took Jesus. And that's how many of those things were determined. You have two birthplaces and all that kind of thing. So we need to pay attention to what the scripture says. There's no way that Christ could be crucified on Friday and rise on Sunday. But the majority of people will follow that. Careful Bible study, the Bible tells us. And we'll see why he was crucified on Wednesday afternoon and rose shortly before at the end of the Sabbath on Saturday. Now, for those of you who weren't here, we wanted to point out to you that John is the only gospel that uses Roman time, midnight to midnight. And for you and I, we think about the day being daytime and then nighttime follows and that's the end of the day. But the Jewish calendar, the Jewish practice today is not that. Their day begins with the evening, from 6 o'clock in the evening until 6 o'clock the next day. So if you go to, I don't know if Schottenstein still closes or not, but Martin's Market and some others places I've been, they close at 6 o'clock or before 6 o'clock on Friday night, and they open back up, some of them, after 6 o'clock on Saturday night or on Sunday, the first day of the week. So we need to remember that as we look in here, and I want to show you that on Wednesday he was buried before that Jewish day was complete, and then I want to show you that he arose from the grave on Saturday evening. So this would be a little bit different Sunday school lesson for us this morning. Many people are puzzled how that interval between Friday afternoon and early Sunday morning can be figured into three days and three nights, and the simple answer is it can't. The Bible is always true. Man is usually wrong. So I don't care if the Pope in Rome came in here this morning and told us that this is the way it is and he will uh, banish us to hell if we don't believe it or whatever. That's his problem. The Bible says, so let God be true and every man a liar. So let's see what it says. Now, it's true, we have to be careful in these areas that I'm talking about now. And uh, I will have some of these copies made so you can have a thing there of the last 10 days. You can see how it goes because I'm sure you won't remember part of it this morning. We have to be careful when we depart from commonly accepted theories. But when there are theories, there's no problem. And much of what we're going to talk about now in the next few minutes, God has uh, given us in the scripture. It's just a matter of seeing it and of understanding what we're reading. So let's be careful to stay within the meaning of Scripture rather than follow the crowd. I don't care what the crowd does. God says in the Old Testament that we're not to follow a multitude to do evil. Well, we know that Jesus did not die on Friday and rise on Sunday morning for several reasons. I want to say a couple things about the Sabbaths of Israel. What the Bible says about the time of Christ's crucifixion should be noticed very carefully. The Bible does not say, nor does it imply, that Christ was crucified on Friday. 
There's no place in the scripture where it tells us that. But a careful examination, and I won't read all the scriptures to you this morning because we're a little bit pressed for time. This is a lot to get in one time. But the Bible does say in Mark 15, 42, on the day before Sabbath, Luke 23, 54 says that that day was a preparation day and as the Sabbath grew on. So Christ, many people think he was he was crucified and taken down from the cross before Sabbath. That's the regular Saturday Sabbath from 6 o'clock Friday evening to 6 o'clock on Saturday evening. But in that year, there was also a high Sabbath, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that was on Thursday. So the preparation day was on Wednesday until 6 o'clock Wednesday night. And that feast day went till 6 o'clock Thursday night. Then you have another preparation or time period. I wish we really, I really should have made four or five studies out of this because we could tell you how they all came to the tomb many times. You know, you read the account. The women came, and here were some women that came, and here was someone else. Those are all different times at different times during that day. And it just takes a simple, careful study of the word, and you can see that it's there. Many people read the Bible because of what someone else tells them. And if the priest or rabbi or... <laughs> whoever it might be, or the Protestant minister, or one of those people, even Baptist ministers, tell them, well, this is the way it is, then they read the Bible with that slant. I don't want you to do that. I want you to see what Scripture says. Now, back in Leviticus 23, 3 through 8, there's a description of the Sabbaths during the Passover week. I'm not going to read all of them because it's quite a few verses for us this morning, but you may read it at your leisure. Leviticus 23, 3 through 8. And during that week of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the time of Christ, that week was called both the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were interchangeable. They didn't do without each other. So when either one is mentioned, the other is included. They went together after Israel came into the Promised Land. The 14th day was the Passover proper. The 15th day was the first day and the 22nd day was the last day of Unleavened bread. So right there are three or four feasts, or festal, I guess we could call, observations during that month. So every year on Nisan 15, some people think it's Abib, I think it's Nisan, because the Jewish months overlap slightly. And the 22nd, those were feast Sabbath. That was a special Sabbath. On Friday evening, they stopped doing work until Saturday evening. And all during that time, they couldn't travel very far. Uh, I don't remember what the law prescribed, how far it was, but the Jews found a way around that like most people do. They said, well, we can only go, it might have been three miles, I don't remember. So they went that far and they picked up rock and dirt, and they threw it ahead of them, and then they could walk that far, and they threw it. That's stretching it in. But that's what people do in all realms of life. So every year, on the 15th and 22nd, you had those feast Sabbaths. It didn't matter what day of the week they came, as long as they were on that particular date. A regular Sabbath was somewhere between those two special days. So it was in Christ's time. That's what we want to, to look at. Now, I'm not going to, again, this is a lengthy portion of Scripture, so I will uh, point out to you that in that same chapter, 23, 15 through 36, the other feasts, are laid out and what's to be done. There's the feast of first fruits, a wave offering to the Lord of the first fruits of whatever was being offered and so on. 
And then finally, 50 days after the waving the offering of first fruits in Leviticus 23, 10, 11, during the week of unleavened bread, another festal Sabbath came. That one is called the Feast of Pentecost. The word Pentecost means 50, and it's 50 days after, primarily, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so far, as I can read, a weekly Sabbath that looked backward to the rest of God after creation and forward to the weekly rest of men in his six days of labor. Sabbath on Saturday, Friday night till Saturday night, six till six, was because God created the world and he rested. And man likewise was to rest. All of us have probably had to work on Sunday at some time or other. I know I have. But God intends that for us to be a time for us to rest and and to... Uh, well, I won't tell you what all, I'll get away from it and I won't get into the rest of the message because I want you to see this. Not only that, but we can learn from the scripture that the Sabbaths of the Passover look back to the deliverance of Israel. You remember on that night when Pharaoh finally would not let Israel go, they came all the way up to the end and he, he would not again. He hardened his heart, God hardened his heart. And so God told them, you take a lamb pin that lamb up to make sure there's no blemish and he's perfect. And that evening of the Passover, slaughter that lamb and put the blood on the doorposts and the lentil. Eat that lamb, and they were to do it clothed. They have on their hat and coat. We don't, they didn't have hats and coats, but they had garb that they wore when they traveled. And the angel of death came through Egypt and took the life of every firstborn animal and man, not just man, Pharaoh's own son. That was the end of that dynasty. His only son and he himself both died because of his disobedience and his hard-heartedness in keeping Israel from going away. Now, the first day of the seventh month is another festal Sabbath. And regardless of the day it occurred, also the tenth day, the fifteenth day, and the twenty-second day were festal Sabbaths, all in that one month. And so when we read, now it was a preparation of the Sabbath, which Sabbath are we talking about? Is it the regular Saturday Sabbath? It can't be. I'll tell you why. In Exodus 12, 3 through 6, that records the instituting of the Passover. God said, now you'll do this. Now today my daughter is hired sometimes by Jewish families, or she may go to, um, I can't say it like they do, Ahudas Akim, you have to have a, such a guttural sound for that. And she will cook the Seder for them, or the Passover. And they eat bitter herbs and so on, and they remember their deliverance from Egypt. God said that will be instituted. I want you to observe that because you remember how I delivered you out of Israel how I, or out of Egypt and I gave you all the things that you have need of. All right. The Passover of unleavened bread, I want you to notice carefully, our day begins at midnight, but the Jewish day began at sunset. So for the Passover to be eaten the night of the 14th by Jewish reckoning, we would say that it was eaten the night of the 13th, you and I would, but it's not, because 6 o'clock on the 13th is the beginning of the next day, the 14th, until 6 o'clock. I think that's what confuses some people. And if you won't study to see that, it's very difficult to notice it. The night came before the daylight hours. And so, Jewish historians verify this time as the eating of the lamb. And they tell us that lambs were killed in the late afternoon 
of the 13th and were then eaten in the early morning hours of the 14th. When's the early morning hours? Evening for us. The Jewish day is 6 to 6. So it's nighttime, but it's the early morning hours of their Sabbath, which is confusing to us if you don't think about it. We get up today and it's 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever. I have to get up that time to get ready so I can get Joan ready and get her all straightened up. That really would be what? The middle of the Jewish day. Last night at 6 o'clock till tonight at 6 o'clock. So when we say 6 o'clock this evening, it begins the next day. I think that's what's so confusing sometimes in the scripture. We think in terms of our own day. <clears throat> now to straighten this out in our minds, again, I want you to remember that no work was done on the 15th, but the 14th was a preparation day, so works were done. Because we're going to find that the reason Jesus could not have been, he wasn't embalmed as such, he was rubbed with, or would have been, with spices and burial uh, clothes and so on. That had to be done on the preparation day. You couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. Penalty was death for working on the Sabbath. And so everyone was observing the Sabbath, and they had to wait. Seven days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread ended, then that day was also a Sabbath. The regular Sabbath came between these festal Sabbaths, and it was the 17th of Nisan in that particular year. So it works out perfectly. Astronomers have calculated that that is the day of the week upon which it occurred. They've calculated for us that the Thursday is the high Sabbath. Of course, Saturday is the normal. Jesus, on Wednesday, was taken, brought before Pilate. All of those things were done to him the night before. And then during that day he was condemned, and as the lambs were slaughtered and eaten, he was hung on the cross on Wednesday about 12 o'clock. And he hung there until approximately 3 o'clock. Now, the fact that he hung there as a type, or the lamb was a type of him, really, only three hours, his legs were not broken, because the scripture said they wouldn't be, so they decided to pierce a spear into his side. Um, I saw what's supposed to be that spear here sometime back on Discovery Channel. I forget what church holds it now, but it has quite a history. It does go back pretty far. Whether or not it's the actual spear, I have no idea. And they took him down. He was dead. So it was during that time Christ fulfilled the first fruits when he rose. We'll show you how that is in a minute. He fulfilled the wave offering. He fulfilled the lamb. All these types of Christ and the fact that he was to hang and bleed and die were all perfectly fulfilled. The difficulty from interpretation, I think, is from three causes because most people don't know the contrast between the seventh day in verse 4 and also another day in verse 8. They translate some of the words uniformly and other times they do not. We'll point out to you that it's important to know that when Jesus was put in a grave cloth, when Joseph of Arimathea came and Nicodemus was one, they laid him in a sheet, the Greek word, is a large sheet. But later they came to the tomb before the women, they were wealthy people, perhaps they had the spices prepared, I don't know, and he was put in strips, a regular grave cloth, and a napkin over his face, and he was set in the niche of the 
stone wall. When they came, what did they see? Peter, John, all the others. They saw the face napkin folded and the grave clothes laid aside. Did Jesus come out when the stone was rolled away? No, the Bible says that he was already gone. It says when they came, there was an earthquake. The guards were still on duty. And they became so frightened that the angel who came and rolled away the stone, they didn't know what to do. They were upset. For good cause. Because the penalty in a Roman legion for going to sleep at your post or letting that prisoner or whoever you guarded held was death. That's why all of the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, called them in. They said, now, here's what we're going to do. You say that Jesus' disciples came and stole his body. We'll not only pay you money, but we'll be surety for you. We'll fix it with the governor if it comes to his ears. They thought, this is not going to be much. And we will secure you. In other words, we'll see that you don't, you're not executed as soldiers. And so they told that story to this day. So we don't need to speculate about all this. Jesus was crucified before the regular Sabbath, before the Passover Sabbath. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us so. John 19, 14, and then 31. It says that it was the day in preparation of the Passover, Wednesday. That night on Tuesday, he had been taken in. Not only that, but you can't line up the proper amount of days from the time he came in uh, to Jerusalem, riding on the uh, colt and people proclaiming him to be the Messiah, threw down the palm leaves and said, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's all there, we just need to look carefully at it. And on that particular evening, after they had eaten the Passover, after 6 o'clock on Tuesday, they went out into the garden to pray. Jesus was taken practically all night. You remember even Peter was there. Someone said, say, you're one of that group, aren't you? No. I said, I'm not. Pretty soon someone else came along and they said, yes, you're, I saw you with Jesus and your accent gives you away. No, he said, I never knew the man. The third time came, and I believe it was a little maid, I don't remember. She said, yes, I'm sure I've seen you with Jesus. And he said, I know not the man. Denied him three times, just as Christ said that he would. Jesus ate the Passover supper, early hours of the 14th. That means the beginning of Tuesday night. And during that time then, he went through all the court trials. The Jewish Sanhedrin, or the Pharisees, had no power to put people to death by that time. The Roman legions and the Roman government took care of that. So that's why they took him to Pilate, and they want him crucified. Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. They shouted that much more, crucify him. Finally, Pilate called for water and washed his hands. He washed his hands of the matter. That's where that comes from. He said, take him and do what you will, and they took him, and they crucified him, using a Roman form of death. Now, there are two things I believe that a lot of people don't, I guess, but when you look at the word when he was hung on the cross... The word for cross is spiros. It means a stake, a spear type of thing. A tree is what it looks like. And across that was a Roman board with the inscriptions over the top of it. Now, I believe that Christ was crucified naked, as most of the criminals at that time were. That was part of their shame. Be that as it all may, as he hung there, and bled and died on that Wednesday afternoon, only three hours. That was probably the year 30 A.D., because that's what the astronomers pinpoint those days at. And so, the language that is used concerning the preparation for Christ's burial, as I said, gives a very convincing argument for a longer period than commonly 
except in theory allows. We have people this morning everywhere and they're celebrating Easter or they are, I don't want to, you know, if a person says they're celebrating Easter, to me that means something different than what most people. What does the word Easter have to do with the resurrection of Passover? Nothing. How about Easter bunnies and eggs and all that? It has to do with even an older religion than Christianity. Nimrod and his mother, Astarte, who was a sex goddess, and sexual acts were part of Astarte's worship. No wonder they had groups of people who were there to participate in that. We're talking about Passover and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are no contradictions in Scripture. Really, I, this should have been two or three lessons. I'm sorry for putting it all together, but I, I wanted to get it this morning. I didn't think we'd get as deeply into it as we have. Jesus arose when? Early Saturday evening, just before the beginning of the Passover. Well, wait a minute. Why do people show up for sunrise service? And I've been to a lot of them back in a long time ago. That was my thing. We used to meet along the Ohio River, and there maybe there'd be two, three thousand people. And uh, we had three crosses up on the levee, so the sun would, as it came up, and special choirs. And is that wrong? You'll have to decide that. If you're truly doing it because of the resurrection of Christ and understand what it means, I'd discuss it. But sunrise and the resurrection has to do with Nimrod and the ancient gods, pagans before Christ came. I know it can be a moving service. I've been in some that I thought were good. But we just need to remember that as the sun broke, Jesus didn't stone didn't roll back and he walked out. He arose without the stone being rolled over. How can that be? How did he come to his disciples? Came through the wall, and yet they could feel him and touch him. People say, that can't be. Why not? God can do anything. He can raise up these people that are out here. Us, he can do anything at all. So Matthew 28, 1 says, In the end of the Sabbath, Someone says, well, maybe that's just King James. No. At the close of the Sabbath, American Standard Version. Not only that, but it says late on the Sabbath. That's Moffat's translation. They all have it right. That's when he arose late at the end of the Sabbath. Well, what's the next day? First day of the week. So he couldn't rise on the first day of the week, except as we went into the beginning of that. So Christians have that day of rest. We have the, we call it the Christian Sabbath on Sunday. Because he arose, that's when we meet together. And he tells us we're not to, to fail to forsake ourselves together, as a matter of some is. It's the first day of the week. It's our worship. Well, what about Seventh-day Adventists and all these people who worship on Saturday? They're keeping the law. They're not keeping what Christ teaches in the New Testament and the grace and freedom that we have and the new dispensation. So are they doing it wrong? Yes, but there's not a lot that can be done about that. During that time of three actual days and three nights, the Lord Jesus Christ lay in the grave. He himself, his soul, was in what we would call hell, paradise, and Hades. Today, Hades is only there. He took paradise with him. When he left, he preached to the captives there because everyone who was saved from the beginning of time on down to Christ looked toward the resurrection. You and I are looking back to the resurrection. It's already happened and goes now until the end of time. So we find that on Tuesday evening, Christ met with his disciples. They ate the Passover, the Seder. They went out to Gethsemane. Judas kissed him. The Romans took him into custody. The Jews, they brought him 
finally before Pilate most of the night <clears throat> and the next morning. Finally, he was crucified at 12 o'clock on Wednesday noon, and he hung only three hours and died. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, as well as uh, Nicodemus, who had come to him by night, they came and they said they wanted the body of Jesus. Pilate released it. They took him and buried him in a sheet in the sepulcher just before the beginning of the Sabbath. And then they had to wait until the next evening at 6 o'clock. And after that, Sabbath was over. It was a preparation day. They came. The women came. Many people came to the tomb off and on, some to look at first. And then when he had arisen, a lot of people visited that day. But during that time, he still lay there. Did the Roman soldiers see it? They absolutely did. But they feared for their life so that they wouldn't be slaughtered, is what I call it, so they wouldn't be disciplined with death. And they were given large sums of money, and what they were supposed to tell somebody was, his disciples came and stole him away. Marvelous. And how they opened that big rock. Took, you know, I don't remember how many soldiers to close that. And there wasn't an electric motor on the back. No garage door motor or anything. They couldn't just open it up. They had to wait. Luke gives us a good description of those who came to the tomb. And I think that's where I would direct your reading when you have time to read. In fact, if I were you, I would read all four accounts by the Gospels. You say, well, they contradict each other. No, they don't. You just have to understand where you are and what's happening. So when did Jesus rise? Either at 6 o'clock Saturday evening or shortly thereafter. But he was three days. Some men believe that he rose the same time he died. That is three days later. That's very possible. But the point is, he fulfilled what the scripture says. Men will look today at the scripture and they'll say, well, look at this. It says this or that. That can't be. It's just like Ralph gave me that article. I haven't read it yet, but I heard him speak. I don't remember if his name is Funk or Fink. Fink probably ought to be Funk's what it is. And he's, they're talking about a new translation. Uh, they're going to put down what Jesus said. They don't know what Jesus said. The Bible is the infallible word of God. And men will change things. Jehovah's Witness, we used to be able to, and I've talked with some, and we'd say, well, what about the scripture says this here? It was against their belief. Well, they weren't sure, but Lo and behold, a number of years back, they put out their own translation called The New World. And it's changed some things. It's changed God's word. You can't do that. And added some things so it fits perfectly into their denomination, really their cult. They're not a denomination. So the thing is, the Bible is true. Three days and three nights, just as Christ said. And he arose. We can always trust the Bible for the truth even if it says something that looks like a contradiction. Father, we commit these thoughts into your hands. We ask that you would bless us from the lesson this morning. Help us to ponder these things. We know that you are true, and that whatever you give us, whatever you tell us from the word is true. We're thankful for that. Bless your word. We thank you for the precious blood that was shed for us. That was taken once and for all to the heavenly mercy seat and made atonement for us. Lord, all those who know and love you, bless them. And Father, for those around us, multitudes of people who haven't trusted thee as Savior, we pray that you would open hearts and minds and eyes and enable us to be witnesses. Do those things pleasing to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.